You know when you said it went well? Well, when you said well, did you mean shite? Yes. I froze up. I just made a tit of myself. How much of a tit? I said girl power. Welcome to episode 126 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Joining me on today's episode is easily one of my favourite actresses of all time. She stars and has written one of my favourite TV series of all time, and she's just genuinely one of the nicest people on the planet. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Hines. Jessica has been on the podcast previously, and I felt it was about time that she came back and talked even more about all things TV and film. On today's episode, we get to talk all about the first time she met Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and put pen to paper to create my favourite TV series of all time, Spaced. But not only that, we talk about the pressures of mental health, social media, and all the other things that we've had to dealt with during lockdown, and many, many more. This is an interview I'm so proud of, And normally, I start the interview with the introduction of thanking them for coming on the podcast. But I felt it had to be a bit different, because before we actually started the official recording, me and Jess were just talking about all different things. And when I listened back, I thought, this is too good to leave out. So I haven't. You're getting the full, uncut, unedited, actual conversation between me and Jess. And I couldn't be prouder. I absolutely love Jess, and to have her on the show again is a dream come true, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, you know the score by now. I do like to touch base and talk about my last episode. So on episode 125, I was joined by two guests. I was joined by the amazing Andy Collier and Tor Mian, and we got to talk all about their horror sacrifice. It was a great interview and I've been really touched and really appreciate all the comments and feedback that you guys have given me. And the people that have then gone and checked out this and fell in love with this horror is a dream come true and the ultimate compliment for this podcast, so thanks. But as I said, today I'm joined by someone very special. Jess is someone that I admire and absolutely love. So I think the best thing to do now is to stop talking about it and get straight to the interview. So here is me and Jessica Hines talking all things film, TV, and much, much more. How's things been? I spoke to you a few years ago, and then obviously the world went a bit crazy. Indeed. Yeah, everything's been kind of, you know, everything's been about just adjusting to the situation, really, which, you know, which isn't a situation that you can kind of permanently adjust to because it seems like it's constantly changing. But then just adjusting to the uncertainty, I suppose, and... You know, my my kids are at a stage where they're just sort of transitioning out of home. So my son's already at uni and my daughter's yeah. about to go to uni and then my youngest is doing GCSEs. So it's very much been about trying to sort of a, help them adjust 
to the situation by just being as kind of supportive as consistent as possible um yeah just keeping keeping things nice and calm and happy as far as as far as possible last time I spoke to you you were driving in the car I remember doing the interview and you were like driven somewhere and it was good but I was like the sound quality was a bit like wasn't good and I was like oh we're gonna do some uh we're gonna do some more we'll do it again when the time's right so how's your podcast going? Are you getting lots of listeners? Yeah, it's going really well. So skip to the end of the movie one, which uh, we gave up at the end of last year just because yeah. it'd been five years. We got invited to the BAFTAs. We got film for podcast of the year, 12 million. Wow. And we're like, is there anything else we can do? Like wow. we've exceeded everything we've ever done. So we put on a wow. live event, which is our big live sellout event. And it sold out in 15 minutes. Wow. So we keep going but then we just thought let's go out while it's good you know like when well before life on the road with Ricky Gervais when The Office did two seasons it was enough and then Ricky Gervais walked away and left it as it was and it wasn't like yeah. 11 where you're like oh don't want this anymore but we came back for a one-off special for lockdown and it got to number one straight away and it's done really well but with Mark and me the one-on-ones I've had a great couple of years I've Mads Mikkelsen come on which was great he yeah was really fun. Uh, Anthony Hopkins came on Oh wow! Crazy. You did a one-off. I don't know how it happened, but I got him as a like world exclusive podcast. So I don't know how that wow. happened, but it, I won't. I won't question it too much. It was definitely him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex Winter came on for Bill and Ted, which was cool. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. But it's still a hobby. It's still I'm still working as a fucking recruiter, doing an office job to give me nine to five jobs Monday to Friday, so I can pay the bills and yeah, do all the normal stuff. But uh. I'm still in love with it. I still absolutely adore it. And I love speaking to people. So, um, well, yeah, I guess, you know, you were kind of really at the vanguard of the whole kind of podcast revolution since, because, um, you know, I mean, the last few years, podcasts have just gone crazy. You know, like, everyone's doing it. If you haven't got a podcast now, people are like, you haven't yes. got a podcast. What? Yes. You're so right. That's exactly right. So when's your starting? Surely you've got a podcast out. What's going on? Well, sometimes I sort of, you know, you know think oh I wonder what you know I, I think it's I think you have to think you know what what's really missing yeah is there a podcast hole you know that I could fill and I don't know if there is you know I don't I don't think I mean if I did one it would be purely for my own amusement yeah um not because it, it needs to happen and I just haven't just, I mean, I enjoy podcasts. I, I very much enjoy Atletico Mints. You make me a fucking porchy, which is one of our, which is one of our favorite um, catchphrases. And I really, obviously, like everyone, love um, the Blind Boy podcast. And I feel like, I think if I could do a podcast as good as Blind Boy, I think I would probably do it. But I, I just don't think I could. I, wor- I would worry about the, my ability to be consistent. I would worry about my ability to do it every single week. That's the problem. Particularly because when I start working and filming, I'm away. And, um, you know, I'm just not able always to do it. I probably could, but it's just... Is it? It's, 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 the, it's the fact that, you know, if I'm filming and I'm working yeah. and I've got like three hours left on a week and I know that I'm supposed to be doing a podcast, but I haven't, you know, FaceTimed my family and I need yeah. to do that, I'm going to be thinking I, I don't... Like on top of everything else, I don't, I don't want to, you know, so I think that's probably, 
I think making, you know, re recording something that you've enjoyed doing once or twice does not a, a podcast make. And no, I think no. what you really, really need is that sort of longevity and consistency. And I think with my job and going away and being, yeah. away, I just think, I don't think I could, I could, um, I could, I could do that, but I really love podcasts. I'm really I've, done, I've done five years now. And um, what I do is I have blocks where I go crazy and do like 12 interviews in a week. And then that keeps me going yeah. for like the next three months. That's the, that's the tip right. behind it. Oh, that's the secret. So you yeah. don't act. Oh, of course you're so clever. That's the genius. See, there thing. I am. It never, never, like I'm so literal. It never even occurred to me. You want to record me. it on the Friday and then release it. You could do the all of them. You could do, you could do, you could do enough podcasts yeah. in a weekend for like, exactly. you know, sort of eight weeks That's yeah it. i see i see what you're saying yeah so i'm okay i've got about 22 sitting on my computer right now ready to be edited for the next four or five months yeah so i can just pick oh, well, that's, I can that's just a... i'll do this one this week and then oh this film's coming out yeah it's not live yeah hashtag yeah. it's not live yeah the then again app. you know you look at um you know that there's something great about podcasts that that are reflexive and, and also reacting to what's kind of going on you know in the yeah. world but what you can do but, is if it's an interview at the intro i can be like hey everyone well as you know donald trump left this week and everyone thinks wow he's recorded it this week and then he's talked about trump leaving so it's relevant wow. but really that's been sat on my computer for four months wow but yeah um, we're, i'm i'm all fine you know i think it's but it's nice when you feel like your friends are okay because it's difficult to to always you know know if they are and and probably the less you hear from them the more you worry and you know um i don't do social media anymore i'm not on any kind of social media because i feel like it's a little um you know you can't always tell how people are on social media you know mm -hmm. and i think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a you know can be a bit of a bum steer you know if you see someone on facebook you can either think that you're connecting with people or at least people are connecting with you but in reality the actual kind of one-on-one -on -one contact of friendship isn't really happening. And I think that's why it can be quite dangerous. So it's always good to know, you know, when you have kind of good proper conversations and contact with good friends in, in real time, like on a telephone or yeah. on a zoom call, it's really good to know when your friends are okay. No one's going to post a picture on Instagram of themselves crying and depressed saying, I really need help. It's all about, well, look, I, I'm lovely. I think I think they also do do that. And I think that also then the response isn't always good either, you know, yeah. like because it's a sort of general response to a problem. Okay. That, that yeah. needs perhaps more of a specific remedy, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we're all, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a place where connection and, and support um, – it's more important than ever that it that it feels real yeah um and i think that it can sometimes not feel real um on social media which is why people can end up feeling a little bit empty and lost and lonely um but yeah i i really rec recommend coming off uh social That's what media. i was gonna say I, I tried to look for you on twitter it was something the other day about space on mm -hmm. i was gonna tag you in it and i was like oh she's not there anymore no, I recommend it. I mean, I think what happens is your 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 friendship group becomes immediately like either nothing or or very very small. But but then, as 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 you go on, you you realise that you know your friends are still there. They're just um, you know you 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 just talk to them, and then you can talk to them about what's happening in your life and hear about what's happening in their lives. And it's a completely different. Um, you know um it's a completely different feeling and different experience and um 
And I think it's, it's, I'm really grateful that I haven't been on social media in this time that I've just been able to be in contact with my friends and talking and, and feel connected, even though we've kind of been separate. Um, you just realize that, you know, probably don't have that many friends, one or two, that's enough. That's enough. You know, and everyone else is, is, you know, it's nice, but you know, a friend is somebody you can call up, you know, um, and, and lean on and, and get support from and equally who feels they can do the same to you. Yeah. And so uh, it's, you know, I think if you come off social media and you realize you don't have anyone like that, it's not a reason to be on social media. It's a reason to not be on social media and actually find some real yeah. friends. You know? I literally had this conversation with my girlfriend the other night and I was saying that there's a problem with social media is that if I now go and see someone for a drink, which I can't do right now, but if I did, you know all the stuff about them anyway. So you're not going to be like, so what have you been up to? Because you've seen mm. on Facebook that they've gone on holiday. One or, you, or you think you do. You yeah. think you do. You think you know them because it's a performance. You know, it's a performance of information. It's a performance of self that's kind of curated, um, you know, um, for the purpose of, uh, of kind of, you know, viewing and observing um and and you know a performance of self is not is not real self you know it, it's not actually who anyone really is so um yeah it's it's much nicer not knowing and calling someone and being able to find their news and hear how yeah. they are because then they're not curating themselves in in such a public way they're they're talking to you about yeah. how they are and that is not only rewarding as the person sharing the information, but also rewarding as the person receiving the information because it's intimate in a, in a, in a, in a rewarding way, in a friendship way, which Facebook absolutely is not because this is general information that you're generally sharing with everyone. Um, and there's nothing specific about it. It's not like, it. and then if you broke it down, you'd probably realize that some of the things you do post, they are, you, you've got someone in mind. Yeah. You know, that's the bizarre insanity of it. You know, there's someone in mind when you post that thing and you and you kind of find yourself going, oh, that person hasn't responded to that. Isn't that funny? Instead of thinking, I should share that thing specifically with that person and then we yeah. can talk about it. It's it's an odd um, illusion, I think, all of it. But, you know, it can also be fun and, 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 and entertaining, I'm sure. I know that. It just, I'm just glad not to be on it myself. The older I get, the more I realise I have less friend, less mates and more true friends. So mm. um, I'm nearly 40 now and I'm at the point where I, I used to think, God, I need I need loads of friends. I need to always have my phone beeping and WhatsApp conversations and texts and all this to make sure that I feel okay. But now I'm like, mm. I'd rather four or five solid good friends that I've got really mm. good bonds with that we can talk. And if we don't talk, it's fine. And we reconnect straight away, even if it's been six months mm. and... 30 mates that just have the same chit chat all the time, you know? Mm. I never feel lonely yeah. with it. I feel fine. I feel like I need just a stronger, smaller amount of people that are more worthwhile. Yeah. Well, it's just the people that you love, you know. Yeah. Um, and you you often can't choose that. You know, it's it's just who you who who comes into your life. And and I think when you have a more intimate one on one relationship with the people in your life and less of a sort of general one, your relationships improve anyway. And yeah. so your your quality of life improves and how you feel improves because you've got better and more realer contact with people. And and then those people feel valued too because you've singled yeah. them out. Like 
my 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 children think it's weird when I call people up on the telephone. They yeah. just think it's so weird. It's like, true though. There's memes. I see people saying like, "I was sat there the other night and my phone rung," and I was like, "What the hell is someone doing?" And I'm like. Yeah. I like talking to people, hence why yeah. I'm here now on a podcast. But I do like yeah. talking. That 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 element of talking, having a proper conversation, is gone because people just expect it to be a text or a mm. a tweet or I don't know. It's it's yeah. yeah. Kids do literally now never talk. Yeah, it's all Snapchat. No, they say talking because they say that, oh, they, but it's not talking. Yeah. It's texting. I'm talking to them. It's like no, you're not. Talk, you're, you're actually <laughs> just texting. But yeah. I suppose we should do a bit of an interview, but I'm keeping all this in, yeah. by the way. I like it. <laughs> so, Jess, thank you for joining me again on the Mark and Me podcast. It's a pleasure. Lovely to be here. It's been a couple of years and it's gone quite quick. A lot of stuff's happened, but mm. there's been a new audience to the podcast and obviously it's grown and evolved over a few years. Mm-hmm. And there'll be some people that didn't listen to the first one. So for those people, there will be a couple of questions that we discussed last time, but as we're not now driving down a motorway, we can sit and talk properly and there's no background sound. Mm. I do want to ask the question about when you were growing up and what it was that made you fall in love with film and TV. So oh, what, well, you know, you know, compared to our parents who sort of barely had television, you know, they had these kind of huge sort of wooden tubes in the corner of their rooms or, or, or and cinema, obviously we were the, um, generation who um were really exposed to a massive amount of of um, kind of not not obviously compared to now but a massive amount of british and and american and obviously kind of with monkey um korean or chinese television i think that was chinese um and uh and i think that those of us who spent a lot of time watching television, um, you know, it, it sort of shaped us. It shaped our um, our kind of cultural um, and sort of um, it, it shaped our kind of cultural um, identity, I suppose, um, as much as educated us, as much as I invited it, us to analyse it. And I think that, obviously, to varying degrees, children watch different amounts of television. I, you know, watched a lot of television similar to kind of Simon and Edgar. I was an absolute sort of avid consumer of everything that was on television. Wanted to go um, to the cinema whenever I could. Um, I think I remember when we got a VHS and the kind of idea that we could record things and then rewatch them was exciting or that we could kind of get a video of a favorite show and then rewatch it. And all of that was, you know, kind of um, exciting. And it was just something that I was instantly captivated by. The idea of just sitting and watching something, being entertained in that way was um, just, um, it was instant. It was an instant um, hit. Um, and, uh, I um, I suppose actually kind of when I think about the, the sort of shows that really stayed with me and that shaped me, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about because um, there was a point at which I would begin to kind of watch but then also begin to analyse. So I would kind of watch and observe things, how, were, how they were constructed. And then I would kind of deconstruct them um, in that way. And then I would kind of reconstruct them. Um, 
um, and just think about what I was watching. So I remember very clearly having a thought about the Rockford Files, and I was asked about this recently. Somebody was writing a book about Shaun of the Dead, and they were um, doing a chapter on space. And um, and I remember watching the Rockford Files, which I absolutely loved, um, and watching James Garner um, every week. And he he was really at the vanguard of kind of revolutionary television. Every week there was a fantastic, intelligent, dynamic, independent female character, always very glamorous. But, um, you know, really not the kind of usual sort of, um, you know, uh, sort of decorative um, or kind of two dimensional female that um, that that you saw far less in cinema. Cinema was yeah. much more advanced in that way. But on television, um, characters were much more two dimensional and, um, and particularly women. And I, I remember observing even in the Rockford Files thinking sort of right at the end, every single episode, this glamorous woman who Rockford would have helped they'd be walking down the street kind of laughing together, um, you know, alluding to the fact that obviously that, that they were kind of going to become special friends. And I remember thinking, oh, she doesn't know. It's going to be someone else next week. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be for her. She doesn't know. And, um, no idea. and I remember, as you know, idea. And I remember having that thought and then thinking, God, I'd love to be in the Rockford Files. I would love to be on, you know, on his team. Maybe I could be like his kid. Maybe I could be like his niece who was sort of, you know, orphaned, who needs somewhere to live. And I could kind of come and help him with his cases and drink coffee in his little kind of trailer and, and be his sidekick. And I remember very clearly wanting that, you know, wanting to be that, but not wanting to be the transient um, female. And And I think those kinds of desires to be on television yeah, that happened yeah. to me quite early were definitely the seeds of my um, creative evolution and ultimately to, um, you know, writing and creating and, and being in space. It was, it was a, it was a primal desire of me to be, uh, you know, um, kind of Rockford's sidekick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I also kind of uh, remember thinking, um, you know that watching other shows things like um kind of um the 18 and feeling you know very much that the character that i would most probably have identified with would would for example be murdoch i like that's who i felt i mostly was like i yeah. i had no there was no part of me that could identify with these sort of otherworldly extraordinary sort of 70s beauties you know these a because I was a child so I didn't identify with a woman she seemed like another species to me yeah. um and and certainly not someone that I could kind of relate to um and and see myself in so I I remember thinking how could I ever be kind of like Murdoch on television you know was is there is there a world in which that is possible um uh, and which how I feel, which is the sort of, um, is there a world in which I could kind of be Murdoch? Because I, I felt no part of me was kind of inspired by that uh, sort of generic female, that extremely pretty female. I was, I was I was thinking about that in terms of the Goonies and thinking how I would have been chunk in the Goonies. I was that was that was who I was in the Goonies. Yeah. I wasn't the generic pretty girl who we don't really know her beyond that she wore a kind of, you know, a sort of um a preppy uh, <laughs> kind of sports jacket and she was the pretty girl. Yeah. And there was obviously, you know, Martha Plimpton who was amazing and probably closer than many other characters 
to one that I could relate to. But even she, for me, was gorgeous and impossibly sort of lovely. I did not identify with her as a child. I didn't feel that she was me. So I felt, I think from a very early age, there was something missing on television from me, from my perspective. Um, A representation um, that wasn't sexual. I think that was key as well. My my desire to be on television were formed very much from a childlike perspective, which I think comes across in space. That sort yeah. of joyful, very asexual fun that they have yeah. um, is, is 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 childlike, which is maybe why people kind of enjoy it because there's something joyous about it. But I, I suppose what I loved about television was its escapism. But I, but ultimately, I suppose having grown up watching these shows and analyzing them as I did, it gave me a kind of a groundwork and a framework um, from which to um, evolve my own world on television. And I think, you know, it. I, I, I guess I realized that I was never going to be offered those parts. No one was ever going to come along and say, because I, I understood from observing the world around me, um, particularly on television, but also the world around me, um, that um, people uh, would not, that that there seemed to be such um, a very, very fixed idea about um, how uh, females were represented, how narratives played out and and it, it it was easy to see without much investigation that shows were more more often than not told from the perspective of the narrator. That that seemed obvious to me. And so if the narrator was always a certain type of person, then the perspective would always be um, um, of that person, you know. Um, and so in order to actually change the cultural landscape, I would have to put my perspective and my experiences on television and not just borrow then kind of old tropes and um formats but actually do it with absolute truth um and um and and kind of clarity and so i suppose you know that's why and and how i ended up making space and i i remember i'd been thinking about it probably for about a year before i actually put pen to paper and sat down because i've been writing sketches before and characters and um and I knew I wanted to write, um, uh, you know, I didn't want to write sketch characters. I wanted to write full characters that yeah. had real kind of journeys and um, story arcs and had adventures. Um, and also make a TV program that was sort of electrifyingly different and that would stand out. I remember thinking, I think Spaced was sort of happening right at the beginning of the the, pl- the multi-platform revolution and thinking even then it would have to be really dynamic and look different and look kind of colourful for it to, to survive and kind of shine out um, when there was going to be so much television to, to, to choose from. I remember thinking that. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I, I suppose I, I love television when it, when it, when it makes me, um, uh, when it entertains me, and I'm, I'm quite. <laughs> I like. I recently watched the Queen's Gambit, and oh, good! It was a, a revelation to me because I think it was the first time. Like that was what is that's what I've been waiting for, you know, all these years. Yeah. To a degree, but even then, you know, 
there's always still they're always still those um you know they're still that kind of feminine trope and the very beautiful very beautiful lead which d- shouldn't detract from her she was perfect yeah. the show was extraordinary so good you know it, it, it's it but but uh for me you know that to 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 uh, to explore the the perspective of a, of a, of a you know a flawed female who is whose whose main purpose is not to be a kind of object of sexual desire or titillation who has a passion that that transcends um any kind of conventional female desire but is about her kind of absolute pure um desire to 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 be a great chess player is 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 shockingly rare and 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 that what was amazing actually i i i remember watching it because it just popped up on my feed and i and I saw that it was, um, and I thought, and it literally had, I think it had come on like that day and there'd not been any press about it. And I just was watching quite a lot of Netflix and I was like, oh, that looks quite a good Queen's Gambit. I'll give it a go. You know, chess player sounds good. And then just watched it all, was blo- blown away and was like, <laughs> literally, I was like, oh God, oh God, people need to know, people need to know about, people don't know, people need to know. I, I was <laughs> like, I, I, I actually email the director <laughs> i've never done that in my life because it, it it was like that's what i've been sort of angling towards wanting to do either developing things or wanting to do is just put living breathing women yeah um, uh, um in in an in an extraordinary context and and for it not to be about sex in any way um i wanted to i was like and and there it is and there it is and i and i sent him an email and said what you have done is amazing and i want to thank you and you you inspired me to kind of you know carry on and 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 and, and keep going because really that's the heart of you know what space was for me was was creating an environment and an opportunity for me to be murdoch yeah. And for me to not be um, replaced every week. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes it, over the years, it's hard because I think a lot of people retrospectively look at it. And um, from 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 the audience then that Simon and Edgar and and, um, and Naira and Nick gathered with their future projects, I think, which was kind of male, I suppose. I mean, it's both male and female, but perhaps more male than the audience yeah. of space. I think retrospectively, I think a lot of people you know um sort of assumed there was a a male influence in that show and that my influence was the female one but but they really didn't understand that i i wrote spaced for the the kind of the 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 passionate tv watching kind of male that 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 i was in in you know and 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 that the character of daisy was one dimension but that i wrote tim for Simon because I wanted him to do it, but also because I wanted to explore how the liberation of, of being that character to write for him in the same way that Simon liked to write for Daisy. I liked to write for Tim and, and all the, the character and the storylines and the comic book references were, were my passions. And I think it was just assumed that it wasn't because people's assumptions are, uh, um, are often clouded by their own, I suppose, sort of, ideas about what women like and don't like and what men like and don't like and what women are capable of or or not and so i re- i remember you know when uh, when space came out i i you know uh, there were there was some graphic novel companies who sent 
comics and they sent them all to Simon. They didn't send any to me. And I like, I loved loved eight ball. I loved, I loved, you know, love and rockets. I loved, um, the preacher. I loved, I, I I loved going to comic shops. I loved like the whole Bilbo Baggins thing was, I loved going to comics. I loved, I loved writing the all of space. I love writing. And yet I, I, um, it just was an assumption that 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 wouldn't be that wasn't my you know that wasn't my passion or that wasn't my kind of contribution but i i sort of accepted it really i mean i was i, I thought there was nothing i could do really no um but um people listen but, now we're sending you loads of comics you have forbidden planet ringing now going oh, oh i hope so boxes and boxes i hope comics. so oh man that would be that would be amazing but uh but yeah i i think you know i think i was really interested in I think because I grew up in the 80s and I grew up with a very, uh, very clever, very intelligent, very analytical um, single mom. And I I was very aware of a narrative um, in kind of 80s, the 80s feminist narrative, which is is kind of it's a separate and it's not all feminist. I'm not I'm not making any generalizations about feminists. You know, they feminists are as diverse as any group of people. Really, really feminists, I suppose, are just women who are strong and who are able to sort of express their opinions really yeah. you know that's really and, and that can be any opinion that you do not it's not political or, or or sort of national in any there's no homogeneity in in feminism but what i i observed in a particular type of feminism was a sort of separatist victimhood which i was really not into i wasn't into that rhetoric and i observed it and I felt that there was something very fundamentally flawed about that. You know, I was much more interested in um, how women and men come together. I mean, I I kind of felt men were sort of magical. I love men. I mean, men were rare and transitory in yeah. my upbringing. And I had a sort of, you know, I, I idolized them out of all proportion. I loved men. I loved male culture. I loved what men were into. I loved, you know, and that, I think, is also kind of why I felt I wanted to create a utopia or a dynamic or envision a universe in which you could have a, a, a show where where males and females are equally represented and there wasn't um, a, a kind of a, a lead and then a sort of a, a female support, just going back yeah. to the rock profile, somebody who just intercha- is interchangeable every week or somebody who's just kind of the generic pretty one, but actual real proper complicated kind of soulmates who were just thrashing out but but inhabiting the same you know space and the same world um, on on equal footing i kind of wasn't into the idea of sort of gender ghettos of having just a female show or a male show i thought well we live in this world together it's undeniable it's inevitable you know we are you know fearfully designed to a degree to kind of collide and collude and 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 there should be a way of creating a, a world in which that can happen on television and and for viewers to feel represented and not kind of maligned because i i i really you know um and i really enjoyed that part of constructing it i enjoyed yeah. creating that balance and wanting that balance you know um and uh, uh, and and that was kind of vital for me, and 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 then creating all the opportunities for my sort of 
Murdoch to do anything I wanted within the confines, within the kind of magical world of the show. I could not only do anything I wanted as Daisy, but I could do anything I wanted as Tim or yeah. as Brian or as Bilbo because I was writing them and I was writing that world. And that was the liberation for me. That was an incredible kind of explosion of creative liberation um, for me. Um, and to be able to do that with Simon, who was so amazing and brilliant, and Edgar, who was just really into it, was yeah. was, was was extraordinary. Well, you must have all been on the same page because you accomplished, I believe, everything that you've just said, because it's never a show about Tim, oh, and Daisy's there, or it's a show about Daisy, but mm -hmm. she also lives with Tim. It's all about the world between those two and everything mm -hmm. you did on that show is shared you know you were best mates there was a hint of romance there's a hint of are they are they not going to get together yeah. there's always mm -hmm. the tease and as a as a, a viewer now i'm hearing you talk it was okay so this is a chance to be murdoch this is a chance at moments to be chunk from the goonies this is a yeah. chance to be one of the lost boys yeah this is her chance absolutely to be billy from gremlins you know she's yeah. this chance to be <laughs> yeah these people <laughs> yeah that was absolutely it yeah that was it that was absolutely it and it you also know. explains why you had the 18 the karate kid you know? yeah <laughs> well you're just talking about um <laughs> queen's gambit jack nicholson yeah yeah, yeah jack queen's gambit yeah you beautifully elegantly summarized it and i recently voted it as one of my top shows of the year on the top five of the year on skip to the end i said did you did you email the director weeping though? no i should have no, okay <laughs> i was saying how difficult it is to try and sell it to someone because if someone says to you what's it about and you're like well it's um about a girl that wants to become the number one chess player in the world <laughs> so i said this is how i put it on the episode is basically it's karate kid with chess with a female <laughs> <people>. <laughs> yeah it is. it is. You have Mr. What do you Jackie. think of Cobra Kai? Are you enjoying Cobra Kai? It's incredible. I haven't watched series three yet because I don't want it to be over. Because when it is, I've got to wait like a year. So I'm just, it's that thing of like, do I watch it all and binge it like I did with Queen's Gambit and uh, all the other new shows I've watched recently mm -hmm. where I've been like, oh, Ozark looks good. And I watched it all in a week and I was like, oh, Christ, like I've got no yeah. more to watch now. So I don't think they're doing any more Ozark either, are they? One more, one more. That's oh, it. are they doing another series? Oh, few. Yeah. Yeah. And then it will all be wrapped that. up. Mm. um but yeah queen's gambit was like it was your opportunity to be daniel larusso you know daisy yeah daniel larusso <laughs> yeah. finally exactly yeah it's been 25 years which blows my mind when i saw you know last year there's some sort of celebrations to celebrate it and you were yeah. doing a q a and the bfi mm. stuff and edgar was doing lots of stuff in empire magazine and stuff like this i, yeah. I couldn't believe it had been 25 years to be honest i thought mm. christ and what i wanted to know was you were talking all then about the writing and what you wanted to get out of it and what you mm. tried to give to the character that you kind of missed out on and what TV's missed mm. out on. Yeah. Was Edgar and Simon exactly on the same page from day one? No. no. They didn't know. No, no not they at all. They knew nothing of that. <laughs> they, they, they were just like, this is great. You okay. know, they didn't yeah. think about it. Lovely. <laughs> That's amazing. They, they, you know, they were just like, yeah, you know, okay. they were not, they were, they didn't, you know, and it never, it, it all just was like, it was like a train, you know, so, yeah. you know, no, never. so no. <laughs> Do they now? Do they have any idea now? Or is it still a secret? I, I, I don't know if we've ever really talked about it that in depth. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we've just had a chance to talk about it that in depth, really. No. 
Um, uh, yeah, but uh, I think, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, Simon, I think he once said about series two, because he was saying, because I couldn't, I knew then, you see, Simon and Edgar's Venn diagram really crossed over on zombie movies yeah. and the rest yeah. is history. You know, what, that when they started collaborating and in, you know, I think it was um, episode three and there was that moment with the kind of, you know, Resident Evil and, yeah. and they kind of got out and the guns out and they were just like, that was just like love. And they were like, oh my God, I love zombies. I'm, you know, it was like, that was creative, you know, synchronicity and that was just destiny you know yeah. they were and they were they were gonna go and make a, a brilliant amazing you know um zombie film together yeah. which as we all know they did um and i think that as that was happening i felt like that was probably gonna mean that space was probably gonna kind of just you know wind down i suppose i felt like that and i remember in the second series i'd i'd written a lot of plot with 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 with, with simon and nick yeah a lot and simon had sort of said he said at the end he said i've just realized you know we don't hang out as much in series two i was like well we kind of we do we do he said no we're not really i was like i oh, know well you know it just seemed to make sense you know having nick in the flat and you know you two together you know and i i suppose in a way you know it was i could feel that was the way it was kind of going and 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 that was that you know that was okay you know that yeah. was okay well, you went off traveling, so you can't make. Yeah, I went off to Asia. Yeah, to yeah, find I yourself. went off to Asia. Yeah, you know. to learn but, um, karate. Yeah, <laughs> to learn karate exactly. exactly. But uh, but yeah, I uh, I, you know, um, I think what was great is that is that they 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 didn't really question it. You know, I, I've often thought it, it, it's, you know, I I felt like. I felt I've, I've often thought there was a moment where I, I remember thinking it was like I'd sort of, you know, having a fascination as I did have with, you know, um, particular kind of play. You know, I used to hang out in a little gang of girls who and our favorite favorite thing was to be mistaken for boys. Like that was our goal. You know, we wanted to look we were, you know, just adventuring around you know, and if someone said, oh, you boys get down off there, you know, that was like <laughs> result. Yeah. You know, that was our mission. So I suppose this was in a way I felt like, wow, I am now, you know, totally in. We're, we're all playing pirates. Nobody's noticed. Nobody's noticed that I'm not a boy and I'm just going to carry on yep. until they do. <laughs> Uh, but perhaps I was a little, you know, I, I, I thought maybe if I was a kind of, if I was kind of, kind of going to be reimagined as a, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a, 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 as if we were all kind of sort of playing pirates, perhaps I was the one who was in my fervor, perhaps a little bit too intense. You know what I mean? He was hitting a little bit too hard with the sword. Yeah. You need to be quiet there. Otherwise they're going to hear you. You carry then, on, you'll get away with it. <laughs> I was perhaps getting overexcited just at the thought of being included that I was maybe yeah I was getting too ferocious and I was too like oh you know and uh so um you know drew attention to myself maybe and uh, you were feeling uh, you know, that and then it was like hold on a minute you shouldn't even be here no yeah you, but, uh, you were <laughs> you're not a goonie or sloth 
and you're hitting your chest and you're that's ah! exactly right yeah. that's exactly right that's stay exactly like data right. or you stay like mouth and you just play it safe yeah exactly that's exactly. what you, i know, you know. But, but you know you live and learn you live and learn. exactly always stay like <laughs> never turn to sloth that's the moral of life <laughs> that's what it's going to be. If only, if only I'd had that on a T-shirt. I know. 25 that, years ago. <laughs> well, I, I reckon right now Edgar and Simon have no idea and they just went with it because they've found more excuses to use different movie references and recreate yeah. certain scenes. Yeah. So we'll keep yeah. it between us. Yeah, just don't. I mean, it's fine. They don't need yeah. to know. They don't need to know. They're not going to listen to this. I think they would really enjoy the Rockford Files analogy. I think they would love yeah. to know that I was... But I'd cast myself as a kind of Murdoch. Yeah, I think Edgar would enjoy that. <laughs> you know the question yeah, because we people... were all very similar in that way. Yeah. that was the that was the joy of it. You know, that yeah. I, I think that you know our spirits were 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 very similar in that sense. Yeah. And you know we you know um, and and we were just loving it. You know, and once we were kind of in that zone of. Of, of of play we were in in our element i mean although the filming was hard as i'm sure you know and have, have, have kind of discussed you know at length it was it was just um you know it was uh it, it was transcendent and and i feel like as well i was thinking about the particular kind of joy it was and it was childlike in that way that where i remember the freedom of being in the, the the kind of silent gunfight scene that I felt of just actually still pay, maybe just being being rumbled but still there and just like in it and just yeah. the absolute transcendent joy of that it was like you know um uh, just just thrilling yeah. um and uh yeah uh, so yeah it was um but we all were i mean we were just having the best time it looks incredible know. like I, I can't imagine that it would ever feel like oh god have we got to do that scene again it was like yes let's get yeah, the that was a yeah. really good day <laughs> yeah it looked great so you just yeah. talked then about how they then you knew that when anyone ever says to me about Shaun the Dead I say look it's space the movie it's you know it's 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 what was going to come from space it's the natural progression yeah. it's the zombie episode and we get to see Edgar and Simon and yeah. Nick again, and we get to see you, which is great. You know, it was like, oh, there's all the characters in Marsha. It was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Did you did you kind of feel like, and it's the question that all I ever get after I recorded the first interview with you is, ask her about Series 3. Like, should there have been a Series 3? In Jess's head, was there already going to be a Series 3? Or was it always kind of like Ricky Gervais in the office, a two-season, that's it, no more? wrap it up nicely, keep people always speculating and thinking? Or did you think, bollocks, there was a lot more to tell about Daisy? I feel like what happened was meant to happen as exactly as it happened. That's how I feel about it. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like, um, you know, that, that, you know, I feel like, you know, once Simon and Edgar had started to collaborate and write Shaun of the Dead, um, which was absolutely a fusion of their passion um, and, and, and love of, of kind of zombie films. Um, and really, honesty was not mine. You know, like I, I have massive kind of interest in sort of postmodern movie heroes, you know, 80s 
kids films tv you know i'm i'm into loads of different things and things that they're not into i am but like zombie films was never my thing you know it wasn't like i was like oh my god i should i need to do this i wasn't you know like i mean i I, so I, i feel like that was where that was their trajectory you know in that moment when they met it was like and that's creativity should work like that you know you shouldn't kind of feel like you have to kind of you have to do something because never feel you know yeah you know uh, um you know and they were they were they were they were passionate and they were driven and they were uh you know and just it's so excited that 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 they were going to make this film you know and they were going to go into movies and they they had an idea it sort of forged and they they made it and it was it was amazing and and a massive kind of now has become like a, a, a just a zombie cult classic and that which is exactly what they had imagined and i so i think that's kind of how you know that's how it was meant to happen and it's good that it happened and that they that they that they found that trajectory and they followed it and it and it was a success and it was everything they wanted it to be so i i feel like no, I, I feel like it was, you know, that was just, yeah, that was just, just yeah. that's just how things rolled at that point. You know, I get a lot of questions um, like people are asking all the people, all the time people are saying, will we ever get a series free? Like, would uh, we ever? And it's like, well, Simon's filming Mission Impossible 926 right now. I don't, oh, I don't bless know. him. He worked so hard. I, I, to be honest, you know, like, I feel like, I, I have said, I think, before, I did think, oh, great, now I'll just be playing great comedy, goofy roles for the rest of my life. And, and to be honest, I, I, I haven't. You know, like, that, no. that, like I, I had to create that opportunity for myself. And if I yeah. ever wanted to do it again, I would have to create it again for myself because it's not something that comes, you know, um, you know, that it doesn't just happen. <laughs> you know, you have yeah. to make it happen. So, I mean, I'm working on things, but not, um, necessarily thinking about um, that, but I, I think um, you know, uh, you know, I love those characters. Yeah, I love all those characters, um, and you know, I, I feel like you know, um, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know. I I I kind of feel like I'm sort of just beginning to think about kind of creating shows that I will have fun doing and yeah. doing that at the moment. I'm also, since I, I directed something in 2017 and I, I just really, I'm so into that. Like I love directing. It's so much fun and it's so rewarding writing something and then, and then also getting to direct it. It's, it's the best I think it's there's nothing better than being able to actually create something, visualize something, and then actually bring it to the screen. Um, the fight was so, fucking awesome as well. Let's just say that. Oh, well, thanks. It, it was fucking beautiful, and the way that I don't know, I don't know if it's my expectations. Maybe it's a bit obnoxious, but I always expect a debut to be a bit like, oh, what you know, a debut direction. It was a full length. I always think, oh, what's what's it going to be like? Let's see what it's like, especially when actors or actors have a go at it. And I was like, yes, Jess, this is fucking ace. I fucking love oh, it. Oh, good. Well, I'll tell you a fact: the budget of the fight, of the ninety-minute fight, that was made in two thousand and 
17 was the same as a half an hour of space that was made in 1999. Christ. So the cost of half an hour wow. of space was the same as the budget of my film, which actually, you know, I suppose when you look at it, in terms of setups and everything, you know, you can kind of see, <laughs> but I, I don't, I think if I do another one, I want to try to, you know, position my, I was so thrilled to get a chance to just direct something and make something that I just kind of jumped at it. But I think if I do it again, I need to make sure that I <laughs> get a better budget. <laughs> but I loved actually working on the hoof in that way. Can you um, do it in like it, only a few weeks as well? Wasn't it like 12 days? Yeah, uh, yeah 12 days. And, and actually there's there's a real kind of liberation in working that quickly um, because you kind of just, um, you have to let go of a lot of things. Yeah. And actually that's a great, it's a great discipline um, to do that, to just let go of things and to 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 just put your faith in your idea and in the story um and you know to every day know that you have a little bag of moments and shots that you're really aware of what they are and that you know that within your day if you have that bag of shots everything else is is a bonus and i think when you're making low budget things you know that's my approach and and I really really you know I just enjoyed it and it felt like it came at a point in my life where I just was thinking that would never happen but to have that kind of much fun um, and that much creative you know um, freedom to just you know make a film in that amount of time and have the freedom as well within because it's a low budget film you know like there was a whole there was a moment where we found out that Rona Meacher was coming to play Amanda, um, but she we, but she was only coming for one day. That's it. <laughs> we were going to have her for one day. So we had that information. So I was like, I got two days filming under my belt and and I'd got my bag of shots. The bag of shots, I, kn I knew I would need in the edit. I got them both for those two days. And then I knew that the the, the, the day with Rona was coming up and I felt like as it stands... It's 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 un it's unachievable. Yeah, it's unachievable with the scenes that we have, with what we have, you know, um, scheduled. It it's it's going to be impossible to complete that day as it stands right now. Right. And I remember saying to Ryan Edelson, who is the DOP, we're not going to be able to to complete that day as it is. He was like, Yeah, no, I know. I like, <laughs> so we're going to have to think up something else and he was like okay so what are we gonna do pen and paper and, and this is like 20 minutes in the sort of 40 minute lunch break on these really really tight filming days christ and then it was just like okay this is what we're gonna do this is what we're gonna do that scene you know this is what's gonna happen because this is what needs to happen this is where we're, this is what we're gonna be at and we, we this is emotionally what needs to happen in that moment and in that and in that point of the narrative that that scene serves these are the most important um things to resolve yeah and this is the most important thing to tell the audience so once we'd i'd kind of condensed it down i was like right so we just got rid of everything we didn't need 
um, worked out what we did need. Um, and then, and I said to Ryan, this is how we're going to do it. And I sort of mentioned Kurosawa. I mean, like, as if we're talking about a little park in Folkestone. And I'm like, Kurosawa, Ryan, like Kurosawa, through the, through the foliage. Yeah. But he was like on it. He was like, oh, yeah, great. I know. <laughs> And because uh, I was saying, because I knew the location, I was like, you, we're going to get some, be able to get some really nice high shots, you know, through the foliage. He was like totally into that. And um, so, and, and the thing is, we were lucky because we could literally just go to the producer who was counting the days. <laughs> we said, right, uh, we just need, uh, we only need this person and that person. We don't need her. We don't need him. You know, this is what we're doing. He was like, all right, fine. You know, <laughs> but that when you're when you're dealing with such a low budget that's the sort of yeah you know, and that's actually really fun that's yeah. actually really fun because it's much less precious and 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 we and we we were able to film um we were able to film in this uh in this um you know uh um amazing tunnel on one other day it was the same day with rona actually and 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 the, the weather was amazing. Like we had a really really strong wind, bright sunshine. So there was trees. So the sound of the trees was really dominating, and the dapple of the sunshine coming through the trees was really sort of noticeable. And it was really beautiful. It was kind of like a, it, it. The whole kind of sound of the trees and the wind sort of energized the scene. It, it kind of really made it. It gave it, it gave it a lovely dimension that yeah. you could write, but you could never guarantee, you know, you'd no idea how never. the weather was going to be. But anyway, we had a beautiful day for it, but because we had such a short time to do the scene, like when we were coming around and covering both angles, you know, and I was, I would always cover myself last because, you know, um, it's just easier because yeah. then I know exactly where I need to be and what I'm going to say. And it meant I could just focus on the other actors before I did that. And, um, and if we'd been doing it in a conventional time frame, in a conventional way of filming, you can guarantee that within a few hours, that wind would have dropped, the sun would have moved, everything would have turned around and everything would have looked and felt different. We would have somehow tried to kind of manufacture that same energy of wind and light. But when you're working that quickly, you kind of can capture that, you know, yeah. and, it, and it cuts together. And there's absolutely no problem with with wind and light continuity because we did it in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And so there are, without being annoyingly positive, which is one of my worst qualities, um, it makes me seem insincere, apparently, according to my children. Um, <laughs> um, it was a really, really, it was a really positive of, of yeah. filming that quickly. You know, are you um, now? Are you now? Well, I am. When, yeah, when I am. I'm absolutely yeah. writing it. When, I'm writing yeah. it. I'm loving it. And I'm, I'm now having felt really like, I feel like, I mean, you know, we, I don't know, you've probably talked to other people about it on the podcast, but right now, obviously, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's actually, it makes me feel like crying when I think about, you know, I mean, there's so much that's going on in the world at the moment. Yeah. It's difficult to really um, even begin to kind of get worried about cinemas yeah but um i think everyone's beginning it's beginning to dawn on everybody that this pandemic combined with the kind of multi-platform model of distribution and production there's a very real chance that cinemas may not come back it's terrifying and that that's 
you know, there are many other worse things to worry about, but of course, but it's it's just not, like it's when you really care. engage with that, it's, yeah. it's 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 just really apart from all of the other things that are so sad. It just makes me feel so sad to think about that. That you know, I suppose it will change. It will not be as we know it. But um, I, I just felt like I'm. I was. I've been writing a film for a while. Just and how I work is normally I have lots of ideas, different ideas, and then they they kind of start to roll together a bit like a snowball, and then they kind of become something, and then they become the body of the snowman, if you like, and then <laughs> got to find the coal who has coal carrots. who has coal nobody has coal no nobody has coal people have carrots yeah but um you know so but so yeah i've been working on this idea for a while and actually last year i was feeling just like who's got money for films everyone wants tv and i was just pretty much also very focused on you know um home really just very much focused on home and yeah what was going on at home and just being available to everyone which i feel like was kind of what needed to happen just because it, everything was so uncertain, just need to kind of be sort of a focus of consistency and sort of solidity and just mash a lot of potatoes, you know, but that, so that was, you know, I was able to do that, which I'm very grateful for. But then I sort of started thinking about work again and was thinking, should I even write that film? You know, I, I just like, is there any point? But then I was so heartened because I recently went on a kind of big conference call, a big conference like, um, like a writer's thing where you go and people in the industry talk about things and and you're just the little kind of box on the screen and I just yeah. went to one a friend of mine who's a writer invited me and it was great I loved it and uh and then you could have scrolled down and then you see people you know and you're like oh hello and you can have a little chat I mean it's Lovely. like yeah it was kind of like a, it was supposedly a kind of zoom network thing but it was just really heartening to hear that um even though it's not cinema as we may have previously experienced it people still are um commissioning single um single 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 dramas or movies yeah you know in just the same way except probably not for cinema release which is the really sad thing that these companies are not budgeting for big cinema release they are they are funding and creating cinema maybe you've got a kind of a little one screen yeah opening night but we're not talking about you know multi-cinema multi-screen um so that was sad and good at the same time so i just thought well in which case it's probably worth trying to keep writing find a you know uh, because they are still you know there is still money out there for it um, and are you allowed to tell me anything like the subject or anything or are you just keep it oh i think that would be a mistake because oh. i always make that mistake except to say that it's it's you know it's 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 a, it's a comedy you know okay. it's a comedy um that's based in you know just based in characters it's it's sort of you know it's a bit offbeat um i i pitched it to a producer a while ago just to feel her out she said it sounds a bit charlie kaufman so that was quite a compliment that i that i took wow i liked yeah um yeah <laughs> i know but as soon as it's I promise you, if you if you're interested, as soon as it's actually you know in a in a in a in a in a packageable and 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 explainable form, yeah, I, I promise that I will ex package it and explain it to you because I'm kind of in love with the 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 the, the characters and the idea. So I I kind of um, I'm intrigued and now. I'm yeah. <laughs> well, 
I it's it's uh yeah I'm looking forward to talking about it but I, yeah. I feel like I've made that mistake before I talk about things and then people go oh you're doing that and then you know, I've developed things that don't happen and and then I've, and I've talked about them and then I just feel like an idiot so I'm not I'm well, not going to talk about it because right. I don't know if it's definitely going to happen or not you, I'm you just can trying text to me when it's right and then we'll talk <laughs> yeah well if if something actually happens yeah. then I'll tell you about it but um but i've got a couple of things couple of irons in the fire developing some things with some friends that i really like and i've been chatting to simon who's because he's got a production company now so maybe we'll i I really hope that he and i can do something well he posted Uh, on instagram the other day so he's now joined instagram everyone keeps telling him to and he's just joined and i know you put a picture up of you and him talking like me and you he took a picture of me on zoom it was so sweet and uh yeah. everyone was like oh my god oh my god like you know <laughs> the response was huge huge wow um, that's amazing and um, um yeah i really would like to um the nice tease i'm sure there's some i'd like to i'd like to be on screen with him again i would like to yeah. i'd like to do i'd like to have some fun yeah basically that's all i want yeah i just want to have a bit of fun that's all i've ever wanted then we'll do it's it all i've ever wanted um make, make but... the good news too Oh man, no, we can't because that's a Goonies too. We can't make the good. We're not allowed to make the Goonies no. too. We're not allowed. But we can make, you know, um, a homage, an homage. Well, that's, you know, just a, something as yeah. fun. Yeah, of course. But, um, yeah, definitely up for fun. Um, and uh, you know, um, yeah. But I'm, I'm feeling kind of heartened in terms of good. actually writing and developing things. And You've got a pencil in your hand now. Finish writing that script. Finish writing yeah. the film. Make sure it's yeah. done. It's your homework. Yeah. yeah, that's my homework. Get it done. Get it done. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, but I, I'd, I'd, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely up for it. And I, and I feel like, um, I think it'd be, um, I think it'd be nice to do something, um, fun. I think. Yeah. Uh, without it being too fluffy but I, I i i can't help but kind of go slightly to the dark side anyway um but but i i think i've just love writing characters so that's really what i'm focusing on and actually doing it because i'm a bit of a procrastinator um as we all are yeah we? i mean most most of my yeah. interviews have a bit of a structure where i have a few certain questions i want to cover off and a few topics and to be honest today it's just been like catching up with an old friend just chatting away and <laughs> there's one point that i want to make that yeah. i watched there she goes and oh watching you and david tennant on the screen together was incredible and i i've watched recently a series of his des on itv oh where, my god isn't he amazing i i He's when it's so anything good. on itv i'm always like oh, i don't want to watch that it's not gonna be very, it's not i just can't be asked yeah. And I watched it and it first made me want to start smoking because every scene they're smoking all the way through. Like, oh my God, like, is this... Like, Watkins as well, that's yeah. brilliant. But David was incredible from start to finish on that. And to see him on screen review, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, they they are... You've got chemistry, you know. You, you, I, I thought, I bet she's having a great time. You know, the subject oh. matter is a lot more serious, but the response from people and the parents of people with learning difficulties yeah. and children... You couldn't have been more proud. Like the way they spoke and what I've read on IMDb and people have said, like, I'm a parent of someone who's got a child with learning difficulties mm-hmm. or is disabled. And the way you approach that subject matter and do it with so much care is why you should, why you've got your BAFTA, why you've got all the awards, why everyone is saying. That's such play. a lovely it, thing. It was I, I was so pleased to be put in touch like because of that show I've, I've felt like I, I got in contact with some amazing people who contacted me and I, and I there was a you know 
it's been so hard for people and I, 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 you know, like this lockdown, it's just been so hard and there's been so many services that have been just stopped and particularly in the first lockdown, I think that hopefully they learned from their mistakes, but like in terms of withdrawing their support that these parents need, it's just been just too much, you know, and, um, but I've, I've been, I've been really lucky enough to get involved with um, a brilliant charity called Soundabout and I did their Christmas concert, um, which is basically, you know, um, hearing all these children and the choirs that they work with sing all these amazing Christmas songs and, she said that since lockdown started, because this need for, for 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 parents isolating with children with severe learning disabilities and physical disabilities has has just absolutely gone exponential. Like they've 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 increased their uh, viewing base by three times, and three times more people are now logging on and using their services, their sound about services, and logging on to music sessions in the morning and music sessions in the evening that are tailored um, to children and just having something. To, to kind of hang your day around and feeling like you're part of a community of people who are there to kind of engage you and your child in, in fun kind of musical activities has, has been a lifesaver. And so to kind of meet people who are doing that kind of work and meet the kind of people who are engaged and meet the children who are getting involved in that, it's been like a, so lovely and rewarding to be kind of invited to be part of that community. And that was like such a lovely highlight of Christmas is just being at that Christmas concert yeah. um, online, obviously, or, but, you know, yeah. you sort of just think, Oh, you know, maybe, you know, we'll all be getting together in the real. And isn't that going to be great? Yeah. Celebration. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it was great that show. And, and it's, isn't it amazing how David Tennant is, is worryingly how good he does real is, is evil. Yeah. Makes, it's makes you think, doesn't it? It's it's terrifying, and I'm like terrifying. Was, at the end of the episodes, there was like a little documentary, and it was him talking about the real Des. He looked like him. He sounded like him. Every mannerism, yeah. every movement. I was like, Yeah, you're you're more than just Doctor Who. You are incredible. You know. Yeah, yeah. He he's such a um, a great person to 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 work with. He yeah. Just 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 amazing and um he's just got a brilliant brilliant very 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 dry sense of humor which is just so like razor sharp it's just uh it's just it's just brilliant working with him um yeah we we um it was it was a tough it was quite a tight schedule that because again like a lot of tv you know it's you know you don't have like loads of time but yeah it was it was just you know it was just, it was a really good team that and, and with a writer Sean and Sarah who who are like just amazing you know just just also really really kind of you know a lot of what's in the show is very much their kind of world and they're really into quizzes <laughs> I love that they're into quizzes <laughs> and really into I felt really bad I, I did mention it to Sarah on some zoom interview once I don't know what she thought of me I felt like I was kind of trying to impress her but I don't know <laughs> but I admitted there were loads of Game of Thrones references in the series, and I felt so like a fraud, of oh, a, fraud a fraud of a TV nerd that I I only watched Game of Thrones until the first lockdown. I'm just I'm going to come out there. I'm telling you the truth, and I sat down with my son and my daughter, who were both then old enough, like seventeen and twenty one, and beginning of the first lockdown. I was like, right, we're going in, and we literally watched 
every we just watched Game of Thrones in one long continuous binge wow. for about two months. I mean, like two, it took us like two months, and we were like, people. Then sometimes someone might want a night off, and because we were in lockdown, we were just like. What do you mean? What do you mean a night off? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? We're watching Game of Thrones. There's just, there's no, there's no debate. This is going to happen. And so I finally watched Game of Thrones and was able to really witness its, its brilliance. And then I got retrospectively references that Sarah had written in the show that I was supposed to know about because I was supposed to be this really cool, geeky mum. Yeah. And, uh, and then I was like, I was laughing along, like saying these references, like I knew what they were. And I absolutely... <laughs> absolutely didn't and then i was and then i was able to admit uh, later on i'll say sarah i i just got to admit to you that i hadn't actually seen game of thrones until she didn't really respond i think she didn't care that's it now you'll never never work again with her that's it take that bafter away they're going to take that bafter away that's for sure Sure. can't have it you can't have it back you can't have it back i'm not giving it up but um but yeah that was i felt very lucky to have that because yeah. I, I i was literally thinking we are so lucky to have game of thrones right now because you know maybe other people were re-watching we re-watching it but we yeah. were all three of us watching it for the first time together and so it was just it was magic actually and then, and my my daughter my male daughter who's she's just 18 actually this month she is like an avid tv watcher she's so like she's into everything and watches so much and is just a reader and she loves it all you know, she loves yeah. it all and she's very sort of discerning and she's got good insight and she just was so disappointed with the last series. I was like, she was it's, like, that's it. She became a complete GOT like nerd. It was like, it's all over now, B. She said, I can't forgive it. I can't forgive it. It's no. just like, I don't even get me started. She was like, it felt very, um, yeah, but um, I didn't mind it. There was lots to talk about. Obviously we can't ignore it. We've talked and touched a bit upon it, but with COVID, ha- have you just spent a lot more time with the family at home, just not worrying about work too much and just doing those things that you've been putting off doing, spending quality times, binging TV with the family while the kids are around and just enjoying what matters? Yeah, pretty much. I've been trying to do that as much as possible and also really try to think about, um, you know, moving forward as well, you know, cause, um, you know, my daughter's just about, she's going to be off to uni and, and, um, you know, we're all, we've all got to now move into the new, the new, the new, um, you know, the new normal, wherever that is. And um, there's a lot of people who've um, been through um, incredible, um, you know, both physical, emotional and, and financial struggles. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people who need a lot of um, support and love and, you know, humanity. And so I suppose I just talking to my kids about like actually the most important thing right now is to, to be really aware of your humanity and to, to let that lead you in all situations. Like you wake up in the morning and think about what you can do for other people, you know, how you can serve other people, how you can help other people in any way, you know, and like, let that guide you. Cause, cause we're going to really need to be really kind to each other in the next few years because, you know, people are going to need that. And um, there's certainly too much of the other stuff. So yeah. I, I, I think that's really where I've ended up is just feeling that that has to be your guiding light in life. You know, just what can I do for other people? How can I help in any way? How can I be, you know, there for somebody who needs me? How can I be there for, you know, either in my immediate family or my wider community or my wider society, you know, um, and just we I think we all have to kind of do it for ourselves right now until, you know, they sort themselves out because <laughs> uh, it's, it's really just got to be about that. 
And I think it's good because I think that, you know, the more you worry about you, then, then you know, the, the, the more unhappy you feel. I think, I think the main thing is if you think about other people, it's it's just that immediately rewarding to think, you know, ah, I'm just engaged with the, the act of trying to be there for other people or help other people yeah. is, is is in itself rewarding. Um, and, uh, and then you're reminded, you know, when other people are humane towards you, then you can be humane towards them, you know. Um, and you can be reminded, all oh, right, yeah, this is what it feels like to be kind, <laughs> you yeah. know. Oh yeah, remember this is this is what human being is about, yeah, being kind and nice and considerate and and careful yeah, and thoughtful hug, yeah. and and generous. Like yeah, you know. Remember, yeah, remember, yeah. guys. You know, that's, that's what we are. Better <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> go and see and check on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i think we all need you know and like, like i think if we let that be our kind of guiding light then then hopefully we'll come you know blinking out into some kind of new dawn at some point in the next few years but you know it's yeah it's uh it's um it's it's been it's been a struggle i think for so many people it's it's i wouldn't even know where to start i mean no. you know i mean that's a, that's a different podcast isn't it yeah <laughs> I tell you, blind blind boy's pretty good for that i mean he likes yeah. to get get right in there you know <laughs> well, we'll do another special on that i, I think <laughs> putting you, the world to rights yeah, you do a podcast i know we mentioned at the start but you need to do a podcast i will edit it for you i'll do you <laughs> for free i'll do it all but you, oh. need, you need to talk on subjects because you're great and i think people would love it but i know it's time and you'd have to take breaks but oh mark you're so sweet do it do it honestly well i was thinking you know we and my husband would talk about it because we have good chats and i was thinking oh, maybe we should do it and just chat about something because we, we we always take we take all kinds of we just talk about all kinds of things and i think actually that's the thing isn't it i'm trying to help my you know i think that's been one of the main things i've been trying to do is just make sure everyone stays engaged yeah like mentally um um you know in, in terms of what's happening you know because you can just go down a rap people are so many people are just going down these weird rabbit holes i've had friends calling up and you know suddenly you know for a minute for a fleeting moment they're talking and you're thinking are they talking about QAnon conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you're like oh dear yeah and then i've had to say are you okay you're all right like, take a minute well, you know, I mean, such and such and so and so. It's like, yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm not contradicting you. I'm just saying, are you okay? You know, like, are you, are you, are you okay? You know, and uh, and I think we all need to be reminded of of just, you know, we all need to make sure everyone's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. I and I said, you know, you've got a beautiful brain. You know, don't, don't, don't waste it. You know. No. Um, <laughs> Don't waste it. Well, you coming off social media, you're missing a lot of people that aren't being very caring to their brains at the moment. And it's yeah. nice to come off and just be refreshed and have a normal yeah. conversation. And uh... I, I would totally advocate for it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bore about it, you know, and I don't care, you know, my, maybe I'm just a, a bore about it, but, but I, I do really, I would really advocate for it. I, I just think it's a really good idea. It's harder you know, it, it still doesn't mean I don't go in for my little YouTubes, yeah, my little YouTube videos, which I which I really, um, you know, enjoy. Just little, I mean, mainly just people building cabins in the woods. You know, that's my main. Uh, wow. That's my. That's my. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, because um, <laughs> it's quite sort of, you know, heartening watching that. But so it's not like I'm completely um, pure and not on my not phone. Offline but, completely. 
yeah but um but yeah yeah maybe i should have a go at podcasts maybe you're right i mean i i don't know um let it let it be a thought that sits in your head for a bit have a conversation with the husband again start thinking yeah. should we not should we give it a go it'd be great to talk to people though wouldn't it i mean i guess is that sort of what you get from it because you just you know you just get a good yeah. old chat this is it's very i'm not working i know <laughs> i like that your little picture of tulips in the background it's exactly very, you know my dog by me asleep very you know art, so. very lovely environment there you know, it's yeah. it's what it's all about. It's just I'm mm. literally catching up with a friend, and then oh, the world can listen to that conversation. <laughs> yeah. What what would you recommend? What podcast would you recommend? Who do you who would you say? Who would you rate? Louis Farou. Oh, I haven't heard his. Is it? Are they really good? Yeah, it's like a, an episode you'd want to watch, but you can just have it in your ears. He's amazing. Right. Um. Obviously, yeah. Adam from Adam and Joe. Adam Buxton. Yeah. Adam Buxton. Yeah. The God. Uh, yes. Let me know when you're ready. Yeah. You've got a time. I will. I will. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I. 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 I guess. The you know. stuff's the bit that will put you off. So if I'll do all that for you, you'll be like, okay, I've recorded and I'll edit it and polish it. <laughs> a million dollars. What's, what What's the thing that would put me off? All the technical stuff like editing and recording. Yeah, I wouldn't really want to edit it. I would want it to just be put it up as it is. But I'll no, I have to be edited. Well, thank you. <laughs> Have a think i will i will have a think i will anyway it's lovely to talk to you it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you i oh. missed you and oh. let's talk again soon yeah let's talk again soon um, of love. Have a great rest of the day and okay. see you bye. soon bye bye so there it is there's my interview with me and the absolutely amazing jessica hines and as I said at the start of today's interview, she's someone that I respect and admire more than anybody. I'm so glad she got to come back on the podcast and it was an absolute pleasure and delight to have her back on. A better audio quality, a longer interview, more in depth and everything that I could have ever dreamed of. So a massive thanks to Jess for taking the time out to come on the podcast. And hey, you even got a slight teaser that maybe one day she'll have her own podcast. So you heard it here first. And I honestly, after listening to today's interview, think she would have an absolutely amazing career in podcasting. She's such an amazing, delightful guest to have on and so easy to listen to and has so many stories. And it's just one of those people that you just want to hear more and more from. And who knows, we might get her back on Mark and me in the near future. I want to say a massive thank you as well to everyone that's tuned in to today and listened to this podcast. And if you love it, please get on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know the score by now and share it it costs absolutely nothing to share you can retweet or you can share it on your facebook page and it makes such a huge difference it means it introduces it introduces a whole new audience gets people that maybe don't know about the podcast to then know about the podcast and hopefully they'll invest their time check out some advert check out some episodes and stick around for the future if you really love the podcast and you want to support me i do have a patreon page set up this is on markandme.com. There's a link on there and you can support me for as little as a pound a month. For that, you're getting a minimum of two episodes a week. That's right, every Wednesday, every Saturday, I'm giving you a brand new slice of the Mark and Me podcast. But as well as that, I'm giving away Blu-rays, DVDs, T-shirts, and thanks to the amazing guys at Vice Press, they're giving me some of the best posters out there. And at the moment, if you stay tuned on my social media channel over the next few days, I'm going to be giving away some incredible Shaun of the Dead prints. Honestly, they're absolutely gorgeous. Stick around for that. As I've said, I'll be around... 
twice a week at the moment with a brand new episode, so things really are full on. So I'll be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode. But again, I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen today. I hope you loved the interview with Jess as much as I did. Thanks again to Jess. Thanks again to you guys at home. And I'll speak to you all again in just a few days' time. I love you, Daisy Duke. I love you too, Boss Hog. I can't hear you. I love you too, Boss Hog.